we try to pick we try to pick somebody who was killed or went through the last Corbin, Corbin of Europe. Um, as Reingold pointed out rightfully yesterday, last night, that the um, it, it's not only the people. There's there's two taklisim in, in in speaking by a little bit about these in Yonim. One is um, to understand the the, the halakim. Klal Yisrael had such a such an incredible richness of Darke and Avedas Hashem and uh, and Drachim uh, to go to go to to be Oila to Har Hashem and each one if we're lucky to have a person at least we have a zecher of it and and, and we can uh, remember it we can remember each person the Dark Cloud embodies a whole a whole school a whole mahal a whole derech. And the second thing is that we don't have the ability to speak about the Nyanim of the Khurban. If A, we don't have the Das Torah, and B, person who wasn't there, didn't live through it, can't talk about it. Having little bits and pieces from people who were there and um, lived through it, and live through it as Gdolim gives us at least some words that we can use. We can we can have some divitaira about that kufa to to be typhus it with. The person I would like to speak about today is somebody I don't think anyone here heard of, um, but he was a musik. And I'll first just very briefly describe who he was, and then we'll speak more by Richos. His name was Rev. God Gimel Dalit, Rev. God Eisner. He was a Gerich Hasid. He was, he grew up in Lodge, which was a very big uh, manufacturing town uh, with a lot, a lot of Gerich Sidim in Poland. He went through the war at Tumoy, came to Israel, and he was the person that rebuilt, um, he rebuilt the Messiris. He was the Mechanech for Ger. He was the one who was um, the, 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 the Rebbe's led the Kehillah, but he was the Mashkiach in the Yeshiva called Chedush Rim. That was the flagship Yeshiva in Tel Aviv of Ger. And he was the Mechanech that relit the, the, the Messiris of, of Ger and Kask. His Harachatim as a person the base Israel was the Ger Rebbe, the second Ger Rebbe in Israel after the Imreemis who came over, who made it through the war. Base Israel was a very, very sharp and critical person. Um, he, he gave Musa with with uh, full Malaychov uh, Naim Musa. He was very, very sharp, and by uh, by um, he was also giving out shirayim or wine, whatever it was, and he gave to Rev God. He said. Um, and he gave him. That was the harachah they had to him. He was known for his extraordinary pikchis, his extraordinary selflessness, his total control over himself, his practicality, his ease, his pleasantness, all of it. 
Um, and he had lost everybody, basically, and had nothing in the war, through the war. But he was a simcha, his, his um, life. He represented um, a mahalach, and he was the one that Hashkocha chose to rekindle it. His name was God, but God is not a common name, and it's not an easy name to all, so he became known as a Godl, with, with a lamed, with a apostrophe, Godl. And the things I'm telling you, the two or three, the, the main sefer, some Talmidim of his got together, they wrote up, it's called the Mechitzas of Godl, they have Mesillas of Godl, which is Shmuzin, and they, he was born in 1903, and he died in 1985. Um, his Shmuzin uh, are incredibly insightful. It's, it's, most of it is Chachman understanding yourself, and understanding what's driving you, and, and so on. He, there's a lot of his the last years he allowed them to tape. It's Yiddish, it's Fasemis. Fasemis was a safe he lived with and he taught. Incredible, incredible shurim. He touches very slow, very methodical, touches every word, fleshes it out, brings out um, brings out real life situations. I, I don't think it will be accessible to most people here. It's a very, very Hasidic Yiddish. But for those of you that can, it's, 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 it's an incredible, it's, it's a Malamid. He, with the patience of a Malamid and the depth and insight of, of a brilliant, brilliant um, understander of people. Um, and it's a, the most, so his name was Ragod Lisdekon, Ragod Leisner, the, 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 uh, the discs are called Koil Godel Le Yosef, um, appropriately so. And, um, and we'll try to talk a little bit, it'll bring us into a world different than us, than ours, world quite different but an understanding of, of a depth, an understanding of how it, it, the Chinuch took him through the war, post the war. He was born in 1903. He still remembered growing up, he was, his family was a Gary family, growing up he remembered Yidin, who had been in Kotsk, not by the Kotsk, but in Kotsk, and by the Chedush So there was a unique of things that were from that world. He, um, the, the Messiris that, that his Torah would be and his learning and his personality was the Messiris of Kotsk through Ger, which included the following elements a tremendous learning. They once asked him, somebody asked him, You want to do and see this? And Godel told him, on and on. That's Chassidus. Uh, a tremendous learning, amount of learning. A tremendous demand of yourself to demand, squeeze out of yourself whatever you could possibly squeeze out of yourself and then realize you've only started. Tremendous demands on yourself. Tremendously sharp um, criticism of yourself. To understand that you're, you're full of it, you're, 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 you're kind of a lot of fluff, a lot of harir, a lot of pretense. Very, very, very sharply critical chinuch on a person not being full of himself. And included, they, they would joke around sometimes, they would do something mischievous, just sort of to deflate themselves that don't think you're Rashkibahat, don't think you're who knows what. That was the, that was the general mysterious of Kotz and Chinach, the way it came through Ger. The, um, 
he was born in 1903. In, he got married. He was 17. His he, in in those days in in the, there wasn't there weren't really yeshivas in the Hasidic world. There was only one Hasidic that actually had one or two maybe that had yeshivas that sort of we have. It mostly was you got married. You got married at 16, 17. He um, you belonged to a shtibel. The shtibels were in many, many different levels. In other words, some shtibels just places to get together in Davin, you know, whatever, to have a place to go to. And then there were kvutzes and chaburis of people that were b'nei aliyah. And each, each shtibel, in a place like Lodge, they had dozens and dozens and dozens of shtibelak with possibly 100, 200 people each easily. And each one had its own surah, its own flavor, the type of people that were drawn to it, type of people that they welcomed in, more welcomed, and so on. His his habura, his his tzibur, his place was called the, the fifty shtibul. It was on a street, the fifty of some sort of street, and it was a place for younger light who sat and learned all day. Now I, I want to explain something. There was no kail, there was no money. Everybody was dirt poor. Most people lived by the in-laws, and, um, and the in-laws weren't. They literally physically lived by the in-laws, and they were extremely poor. They had nothing, possessed nothing. He, he said, if God will want somebody complaining about the conditions in the dormitory, he said, you know, when I got married and moved in, they cleared out two shelves, one for me, one for my wife. And I didn't think there was anything wrong with that. I didn't think there, was, there wasn't anything missing. Very... He himself, his wife became sick shortly after his wedding. Um, they had one child, but she needed round-the-clock care. And she basically, she lived with her parents, who took care of her all day. And he had to raise his only daughter, make Parnassa somehow, and sat and learned. And conditions were very, very tough. But they sat and learned all day. And the chinuch was without hefsik, that you 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 when you put your when you look in the gemara you don't take your head out of the gemara. He and they and that was the chinuch. They worked on themselves, and he described years later. He would tell many times a bacha. He would tell a bacha something about himself, and the bacha would be astounded how he knew. And a god would say that I can tell by your mannerisms, by your involuntary reflexes. He said, we worked on ourselves not only to control what we do, but even our involuntary reflexes to become a bilum over it. And I learned to understand every tenua, what's the, what is it expressing? Frustration, boredom, bitterness, eagerness. The smallest little movement I, I've learned. And mainly when I see people, I can tell from the little motions, I can tell what's going on with them. That was the type of chinam. It was centered around the skenim. In other words, there was no official, it was a shtibel. It was no official as a shiva or rav, but there would be the elders who had seen a Cyrus where they came from. They had sat by Rusharim to learn from somebody who was, who was sat at the feet of Rusharim. Somebody had visited Kotz, Shmek Kotz. That was the chinam. Uh, uh, an example of what it was like in that stable, um, what they demanded themselves, both in learning and in chinuch. The following story: 
the um, one, so they sat and learned all day. From the morning till night, they sat and learned. There were people there that didn't have a meal to go home to, and they just didn't go home. They had nothing to eat at home. And the people who organized things would try to always have like Sudas Mitzvahs, Siyumi Mitzvahs, Mitzvahs, Yatzah, so, so that people have what to eat. They, because people didn't have what to eat. They said one evening before night, the, 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 um, the Seder was in, in Poland and in other cities in Europe. They would, in, a, in the biggest cities, there were a lot of Ganovim. The guy, the, the, the watchman would, would lock up the place at 10 o'clock at night. They would be able, they would, he would lock the place. There was no going in and going out until the next day. So a few minutes before the evening, the, the Gabe gets up and he says, and Rav Godel was one of the leaders of that, and that was obviously by his say, which means, are we staying tonight? And everybody stayed. Everybody sat and learned. They took out, they brought out bread and butter and onions. They ate. They, if a person fell asleep, he fell, he, you know, he fell asleep. But we woke up, he was learning again. The second night, the same thing. The third night, they made two announcements. One announcement was, and then Regal said, Everyone should tell the truth if he wants to stay. The people got up and left. So there was a chinuch to, to get the most out of yourself. There was a chinuch to squeeze out of yourself a level of activity that is unimaginable. And there was a chinuch for emes. That once you reach the point where you've had it, but you're embarrassed because I should be the shagets to go back and sleep. You know, Shavuos morning, it's like the, 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 the best job to work on Gaib is to say the brachas Shavuos morning. Everybody else is up all night and you're saying the brachas. No, if I don't want to sleep, I'm not holding by that tonight, I'm not holding by that. It was a chinuch to push yourself and a chinuch to hold yourself up to a standard of emes that's really, that's really incredible. That was the type of chinuch. At some point, Parnassi became an issue, and he had to raise a child himself, and Parnassi became an issue he had to deal with. And, and, and he, right, like in the, but, but in the still they were always makpit. Uh, together with that level of asmada, to have suitors with people to bring together, there would always be, occasionally somebody would do a spitzel, a shtickel. It, it was part of that, they, they called it a charedim. Don't make yourself into a tzaddik. Don't no no, no don't private sitkas. Don't look like you're a big tzaddik. You're, you're a bacha. You're, you're not a bacha. You're light, but you know, you have that piece also. And it was a very important. It was ingrained in the chinuch that sometimes an over self importance is 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 comes with with a lot of baggage. And, and that was the tzur, and that was the signal. Um, he describes how somebody came. The whole sort of speaking about things, the, the way they, they, they dealt with things. There was one guy there, Wolf. He was the son of one of the bigs came there, very very poor. He came he came to the shtibel in the morning and he said, "Yeah." He says, "I changed my dira. I, I moved to a much bigger place." He says, "Lichtik and luftik, in Gulbright. It's it's full of air, full of light, and very very big." He says, "I can have the whole chabur over." He said, "Wow, it's amazing." And then he said, "There's one small concern. There's no place to hang anything." In other words, they threw him out of his house. They, 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 he, he was, uh, he was homeless. Um, but, 
to, he, the attitude was an attitude of couldn't care less. The, the, the humor was 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 a sort of girebe nechasot type of humor. That was a chinuk. It was a very sharp. This was the cream of the crop. This was the the, the stable that lodged that that had such But there was the signals that sort of needed parnasa, and he became a malamed in a fascinating place. People don't know about it. The, 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 a, a, a very chash of a yitur of Lis made a, a Talmud Torah called Darche Noyam. Darche Noyam was a, a Talmud Torah run by Chesidish Yidin who that um, had English. It had Limurichol, full Limurichol with a gym and everything. The reason was because a lot of the wealthier families were sending their kids to public schools or sometimes worse, friar schools. The choice was either an old-fashioned cheder or um, kfira. And there was nothing in the middle. And a very chashvi made this. It was an extremely expensive school because they had to pay for a full complement of, of, of limude hall with all, everything. It met all government uh, you know, all, all of the government regulations and so on and so forth. And he taught over there. It was very difficult to teach there because the kids were spoiled brats. They were very rich kids. They were kids with, from homes that were struggling between two worlds. Um, they weren't particularly possibly interested in learning. Their parents, wanted, their parents ideally want them to be from Eden who would also have you know, a, a complement of you know, being worldly and so on. And he was an extraordinarily successful Malamit. He, he, knew, um, he, he knew how to engage a class. He, he was miles ahead of anything. His Chachme Pikhas, um, when he told the story, who he told the story, how he dealt, he was, he used to go on hikes with the kids because he felt that this is where he could interact with them in, in ways that are less formal. Um, and and he, he took every challenge. He took the, 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 the smartest kids, he took the, the most difficult kids. And he was a Shem Dom. This was his um, he, he was known. He, they asked him once about possibly making the moving it to the right. It's very interesting. And he said he thought about it. He said no. He said our tachlis is to try to catch whoever we get from the other side. There are plenty of other chadarim this way. Very very interesting. Malach, not something that's known today so much. But this is where he was, and his and he was renowned, renowned as a world class mechanic. And then the war came. In 1939 and 1940, the Jews of Lodz were herded into a ghetto. And four years he would now spend in the ghetto of, 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 of pure Gehenna. It was, they, they herded in a huge, um, a, a huge population into a small, relatively small area. They, they had families of families in one room. It, it was um, food was was scarce. There was food, but very little, and, and you hungered, cold, and the Germans would keep picking off the old, the weak, the young, and little by little, they they decimated it. A four-year constant sniping of taking away people and people dying. His wife, there were no medications. His wife died immediately. She needed her medicines. She passed away. His um, his parents 
passed away, his in-laws passed away, everything. He was left just with his daughter, um, who was at that time already 18 years old, and she was with him. He, he, he took his room in the, in the ghetto. He hung a big sheet or something to block everything, the window. And he had a, um, and he had, he spent his money, whatever money he had, you know, whatever, whatever he had, he spent to make a, a very strong lamp. The Germans didn't allow strong light, so they covered the window. And heat and tea, and hot water and tea all the time. And people would come in there. And he said, he said, he, he wants it. A place full of light and warmth and a sense of home. And, and people would come in from the cold, warm up, drink something, talk things off their heart, cry themselves out. This was a warm spot. This is what, what the Dalaramas that he provided of, of, of warmth, of, of light, of, of, of a sense of home. That was his thing. He organized kids into a cheder and lived with them. Um, and the kids, one of the kids who survived said, you know, we were hungry, but when he taught, we, we, we were so fascinated by his teaching that we, we didn't think about our hunger anymore. That was his, him in, in the ghetto. He had everything taken away from him. Slowly, like, like a slow torture. His wife right away, his parents, his in-laws, friends, crave him. And finally, his daughter was taken away. She was taken away with another group of girls towards the end. So this was in the late 40s. And they, they took them to some sort of work camp, and they all had to write home uh, a little postcard about how wonderful conditions are and so on. Well, the typical Nazi stuff. So he got a, two or three weeks later, he got a postcard from her and saying that it's very nice and very wonderful and set up and so on and so forth. And in very, very tiny Hebrew letters on the side, she, she wrote, by the time you get this, I'll no longer be because I decided to remain a Kaddish Victoria safe. In other words, she prompted her getting killed before anything else would happen. That was it. A person's left alone with nothing. He never ever had anything. He got remarried a second time, wasn't Zaychat to Banim, and Zosanifta. But he said he would speak about the ghetto about the years and he said he had three kalalim never ever lose yourself and always keep a sense of humor and if it's possible do something mischievous also that was the Matthias when the ghetto was from the ghetto they liquidated the ghetto and they took, they got rid of the people that thought couldn't work anymore. And they took him, he, he walked out of the ghetto, 
he, had, he was always a sick person. He always had terrible stomach issues. His feet were swollen terribly. He hobbled with a cane. He was, he was an old person. He was a young person in his 40s. But um, he, um, but he, was, um, he, he was sick. But they, somehow they spared him. And they took him to a work camp. I think it was called Chestnikovich. was a work camp where they would um, work. It was, um, it, it was a step worse than the, um, than, than the ghetto. The ghetto was sort of independent. Over there wasn't. He took with him a few small svar. He took with him a mishnayis, tekunezaya, chayvis alvavisl. That was a very chashvah sefer to him. And svasemis. Um, lived with svasemis. That was, that was the sefer that he lived with. And he went there. Things were much more difficult there. But he had his little things. They was, even though they had to work all the time, he had a little film with him. He had film with him. He had every Friday evening before Shabbos, he would stand and shake out his packets. And someone asked him, what are you doing? He said, Tzachir, Masha's Begad of Erev Shabbos. He said, that I can't do anything else doesn't pop me from this. So, he had a tiny piece of silk, a little scrap of silk, the gimel, gimel, that's that he that he saved, and he put it in under his shirt on Shabbos. Anything that he could do, that he would that would give it some sort of sense of um, of, of uh, you know keeping on to it, he he, he would do. <coughs> his understanding of human nature was so incredible. So story that typical. When he was in the ghetto, one of the things the Germans would do was they would grab a Jew and cut his beard. And if you ever see those pictures with the glee and the, and the, and the sadism and the poor guy was screaming and yelling and crying and so on, and um, he would, um, you know, and that was that was one of the one of the many many riches. He said he saw he walked out. And lo and behold, there's a group of Germans, big scissors coming, walking. He runs over to him and says, oh, I was just on my way to the barber, you saved me a trip. And they grab him and they start cutting. He says, no, cut here, cut there. And the guy looks at him and says, you dirty Jew, what do you think, I'm a barber or something? Get lost. <laughs> it took, it, it, the, the understanding of the koiches and nefesh, understanding of it, and the guts, and the, the, the ability to understand what, that what's driving this person is sadism, and if I can outwit it and I get around it, it, it was incredible Havana and Tfisa of, of years of work on himself that he was able, and it was here and there he was able to get certain things because he was able to understand where and what to do and so on. He had with him um, uh, uh, he had with him the uh, the, the uh, Tefillin, he had with him some svarim, and in the work camp, life was much harder. Over there, he had to work very hard. He um, he he, he uh, also was able to use some of his understanding. He said they would they would sit in a factory and work, and they would do very very 
difficult work, and it was a whole day, long day. He said the Nazis put in a huge clock in the, in the, in the factory. And he said it was there to torture them. Because, you know, when, you, when you're not looking at the clock, you're not looking at the clock. When you keep looking at the clock, you, 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 you see what time it is and say, oh my gosh, it works so hard, it's only a minute passed by, two minutes passed by, three minutes, and he did nothing. He, he, so he told them, he said, Rabbi Isai, nobody is forcing us to look at the clock. Nothing is forcing us to look at the clock. Just because they put a clock there doesn't mean you have to look at it. We're in control of our eyes. We look where we want to and when we want to. He, um, he had a thing about um, they, they would get up in the morning at 3.45. It would be the first wake-up call. The Nazis would storm through. And at 3.55, they would come a second time, and then you had to be standing in line and so on and so forth. If you got up at 3.45, there was water there to wash yourself with, with something called coffee, um, something, whatever it was, to drink. He said... And people, people had been working so hard, it was very tough. He was mockbit to get up to earlier time. He said, I need to start my day with a minute of menuchas and nefesh. I, I need to start it, it, it being in control of myself and thinking about is the most precious thing for me. And the Mela, he was hopefully ever. He got up at 3.45, took the first call so that he could wash and think take a coffee and think about um, himself. That was to him the most precious thing. He, someone asked him um, what if someone had a sitter and he asked him if he could split it with him. And the person thought that he wanted a um, he wanted some tailor. He said, you know, you can, what, what do you want? He said, it's a, it's, it's a city that has Mishnah's Shabbos, like the Chesed Shesedur, biggest of them, they have the, 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 the Sidur Shabbos that they, that they um, uh, you know, you, the Mishnah's Shabbos that you learn on Shabbos. He wanted that. He said, more than anything else, I need something to keep my mind occupied. And Mishnah, is, he, he had learned Mishnah's Balpeh when he was young, and he said, um, I will, you know, that, that will remind me of, of the Mishnayis. And sure enough, as soon as he started learning it, it came back to him and he had it to occupy himself with. They were there for a few months in Shastachov. And one day he saw a group of his Haverim going, they're taking them somewhere. He said, he was Mitzanah for them. He wanted to remain with, with, with the people he knew, with, the, with his Haverim. He said, when they got onto, they loaded them onto onto closed uh, train cars, and through the cracks they saw where they'd be taken to, and they realized they're being taken to Buchenwald. Buchenwald was a death camp, so he had jumped from the frying pan into the fire. He said people lost themselves, and with his. And understanding his his kishra and understanding people, there was somebody sitting next to him, a, a boy, a bacher, you know, somebody 20 years old, who looked completely lost, like depressed and gone. And if Godel tells him, Shmuel, he says, I know, I can read your mind, I know exactly what you're worried about. So he looked at him, what? He said, your wedding. You're worried that there won't be enough bakers and challah rolls, stuff like that. 
The guy looked at him like he's crazy, and he got very angry. And he said, yeah, you're married, and, and you, you can speak like that. I'm a bacher, and I'm dying a bacher. So Abel said, I'm not married anymore either. I have nothing either. But I'm telling you, you're worried about that, and the bulk is this and that. It, it, it was something that it somehow got him out of his thing, and he revived him. He, 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 it, was, it took him out of his mood. And uh, two or three years after the, after the freeing, after the, this person came to Godel and said, I, want to, I need to schmooze you about something. And, and Godel had a mistress look at his eyes and says, I know about what? The bull collector we spoke about, right? You're getting married. And I said, yes. He, he understood that if people will dwell on the Tzalmovis, and he himself wasn't in the Yutatach Tvenot Gehenim. He was a worn out, it wasn't, this wasn't on a, on, a, on a full stomach with one foot, another foot, cracking a joke. This was somebody who was living in, in the seven Madur of Gehenim, everything. He knew that he needed to keep, and it was constant. He would, he would do that constantly to, to, to get people moving, arguing, talking, whatever. They came to Buchenwald. And in Buchenwald, he said, he would, he, Godel would speak about his war experiences, and he said, I made myself a line. I can't speak about horrors, and I won't speak about horrors, but I'll speak about things that I learned Musa from, that I learned for the rest of my life. He said, they got to Buchenwald, the Germans told them that they are showering everybody, that they're disinfecting everybody. They should leave everything they have on one side, and they will and uh, they will and they'll get it back one on the other side, which didn't happen, obviously. So they took everything off, they went through a doorway, and there was this horrible, um, some sort of chemical spray that was supposed to get rid of the lice, some that really was burnt, whatever it was, and they, and they went out to the other door and they gave them schmatis to where that was it. Rav said, in Buchenwald, I learned the meaning of money. You come into one door, People had things. They had managed to smuggle this, that, the other thing. They had managed to, to, to have little things with them. And, and uh, a cigarette in, in, in those days was worth a life, was a, was a, whole, a whole loaf of bread. I mean, it was, people had a sense of wealth. He said, Rev. Godel, that there was somebody who worked in a cloth factory on the premises, and he managed to smuggle out a small swath of cloth. And he kept it like it would be a diamond because it was, it was something. It might be traded in for something. You never know. He said he'd learned the meaning of money. You walk in through one door laden with goods and you walk out the other door naked as they were born. And he, from that, I mean, people would tell him, invest your money this, you buy dollars. He said, money is there to get rid of problems, not to make problems. He said, I'm not going to make it into a thing. And he would, as soon as he got money, he would pay his bills, that would be the end of it. That was his son, his life. He... he he said, seeing, he said, seeing how people felt, they lost their entire self because on the other side they had two or three schmunces in, in, hidden somewhere in, in the packet. There was something, and that's what they were living with. And then they had nothing. He said, Buchenwald was the hardest place for him. He said he had no tefillin. He had nothing, nothing. There was one pair of tefillin in Buchenwald, and you ha- somebody had managed to smuggle in, and you had to pay a half of your day's rations to put on the film, say the Pasuk Shema and take it off. And, and people would jost each other and so on. He once said, you know, he, 
he, he said that his davening was lousy. He said he couldn't afford a good davening. He said it would have meant giving the whole day's bread. So people paid a half a loaf of bread for that. He had the tefillin. But, and he said, but the mood there, as soon as they got to Buchenwald, they heard that the place they came from had just been liberated. And he said, I galia. it didn't faze me one bit. It didn't bother me. I didn't care. I'm Yad Hashem, and that's it. The way he took me, that's why I went, and that's why I came. It didn't bother him a drop. He would try very hard. In Buchenwald was a death camp. Basically, the purpose was to, 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 to quickly drain people of anything they had and kill them. At night, they would lay on these huge wooden planks, hundreds of people together. And he, he would always make some discussion some joke, something. He told him once, you know, he says, we're going to come, we're gonna, we, we need to start pushing like Chassidim, because we're going to come back, the war's over very soon, and we're going to come back, and, and they won't recognize us Chassidim. So everybody should start pushing, shoving, this, that, anything to get people. He said, he had a discussion once, when we get out, what meter are you going to take away from the camp? So one person said Rahmanis. One person said Istapus Bimut. One person said Zrizis. Rav Godel said, Rabbi Sai, I have news for you. Not only are you not going to take away these meters, you're going to take away terribly perverted meters. He said, in Poland, in the old days, if somebody didn't have fish for Shabbos, you heard, Yankel doesn't have fish for Shabbos, you say, Oy vey, Rahmanis, I'm going to get him together fish for Shabbos. He says, you know what's going to happen now? He doesn't fish. So what? I, didn't have, I ate potato peels for Shabbos. So what? He said, we stop this remote, you're going to feed the other people. You're not going to have enough bulkis to satisfy, what, to make up for what you lost. Rachmanis, you're going to be wallow in self-pity. Achzar is for the other person. Zrizis, he said, you ever see soldiers? They, they run incredible distances on the field. Once they plop down, try to get them to do something. He said, if, he said, a person is selfish no matter what, no matter what the experience is. Unless we're going to work on our midas, we're going to end up with worse midas than we ever had before. That was a person who understood himself, who understood a human being to the very core. It was, in Buchenwald, they took him, they, 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 the, the war, the front started coming towards Buchenwald, and he, he, they, they took them to another place. And they had to run the place. The, the Germans took them. They wanted to move to another camp. And they ran. He said, and if you straggled and fell, you were killed. He said he ran 14 kilometers with everybody. And then he felt it's over. It's over. He can't. He slowed down. He, his feet slowed down. He couldn't. And a German ran by, and he said, why is that? He said, he can't. So the German says, you can't, but you don't want to. And he took out his gun. And he started saying, Shema Yisrael. And a friend of his ran by, and he looked at him, and he said, Godel, life! Godel, run! He said, I picked myself up, and I ran. And I learned two things, he said, from this. That a person has no idea of what kind of kaychas he has, when we think we've exhausted it, we've only begun. And the 
power of a kind word from someone who's a friend. The person that somebody else wants me to live, that somebody else told me, encouraged me, two words, that infused me with life. And he said, those are the two things that he learned. There's no end to the kairos of a person, and there's and and the and the um, and and a word from somebody that's encouraging is mechayim They came to a new place, and things were depressed and down. I mean, they basically were, were, were shells of human beings. Not even that. He said it was before Pesach. He said, Rabbi Isai, it's it's we're mamish holding right before the gula. We know that they're, they're moving in this and that. Let's be, let's make a kabbalah to be mechazik ourselves. The kabbalah is going to be that not only are we not going to eat chametz on Pesach, we're not going to possess chametz to trade for anything. Yes or no? They looked at him like he's crazy, but he had he had an ability to, and they did it. And the first night they're laying there. Not having eaten, they, they they were able to get potato peels. That's about it. No bread, nothing. Depressed, half dead. And he says, you know, we don't we don't have. We, there are many mitzvahs of the mouth on Pesach night. Eating matzahs and marah and drinking wine because didn't allow us. But saying hello, we can do. So he asked one guy who had a very nice voice, and he was. To say hello, it says dishtai. It says you, you got to say hello. And something snapped the person, and he says, and he told her about dreinishkin kop. Basically, leave off me crazy. What do you, you know, do you stop with your disease? And there was a frozen silence. This is like this is the person who was a very strong person. And Rav Godel said, "Der dreinishkin kop." He said, that cry of despair is what, what broke through, and I assure you it, it's, it's going to be only good now. And he got up and he said hello, and people's moods returned. The last day, they were hungry and they were dying to eat, and it was them, and they made it through eight days of Pesach without eating. They ate uh, peels and stuff like that. They were freed on Shia or thereabout. Someone said he was watching the soldiers that came in um, were the soldiers that came in were throwing they were they, they, they couldn't believe what they saw and, and they were pulling stuff out of their pockets to feed people. Chocolates and what whatever they had. And people were grabbing and taking and Rev Godel was looking at the scene, and he was looked very happy. And someone noticed he's, he didn't take anything. He told them, Rav Gudel, you'll have to have some no also. Like, treat yourself. He said, my treat is to watch other people treating themselves. I, 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 it, it, for me to see people feeding themselves after so many salvation, that's what I live off. And, 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 and that was his messias. After the freeing, after after the liberation, he stayed five years with a few friends in Lodge. There was the world was horror. 
He went back to a city that had been teeming with tens and hundreds of thousands of Yidin, Hamisha people, Chassidim, Shtiblach, everything, and everything was a ghost. Nothing. Everybody was dead. Everybody was killed. There were children who somehow survived. All sorts of Yisayimim. People had given away aunts, aunts, people, and so on. And he began the task of trying to rebuild something. He, he, got, he found the old Jewish um, community building, like a JCC type of building that had housed afterwards the Nazis. He made it into a community center. He began to schlep kids for afternoon schools. The kids who were there were going to public school. And you're talking about children who had really no parents, no education, everything Hefka, every, every worst possible problem was there. And he slowly and patiently began telling the kids stories, teaching them. Um, if they were going to public school and in the afternoon he would take them and he would teach them Yiddishkeit. And he knew he didn't start by teaching Alephi, he started by telling them stories and, and, enthusi- and, and inspiring them and getting them enthusiastic. Slowly, until he said, you know, they, they were telling him stories about what's going on in public school. He says, why don't we make our own school? They said, we can. He said, yes. And they made their Jewish school. And he started learning with them. And one of the, in Talmudim of his, people who learned it said over, very soon he started learning Baba Basu with them. He said he wanted to get them engaged. He was a big lambda in himself. And to get them engaged in learning. And he started learning Baba Basra. And there was always, there was a min mekar of a small doicha. They had tremendous recovery, but he, he, they, 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 they tremendous ava to him. An example of what, of, of what a koyach achinuch is. He, he drew them in very little criticism. In other words, everything is good, you know, and fed them slowly, Yiddishkeit and so on. At some point, they advanced enough and they used to run off to different places, whatever it was. He said, you, should, you ought not to be going to this and that place, whatever it is. It was boating, swimming, but whatever it was. It wasn't... He, and he did. And he came into the class, and he says he's very sorry, but he feels that he can no longer continue teaching him. And he left. And he left them for two weeks to sit by themselves. Maybe he had somebody else. After two weeks, the boys came to him and they said they want him back and they'll, they, they promise to do you know, what they're supposed to do. He, he understood that there needs to come a point when they need to stand on their own feet and to ask for it and not be pushed into it. So he, there was a mashcheni and then he needed a venerutza from them to come to him. And many of those kids made it through as, as, as healthy human beings, as elohid and so on and so forth. There was also in these five years in Lodge, there were people that had left Yiddishkeit, broken, destroyed, disheartened, gone. And he knew with each person exactly how to speak. One person came to him, and he was sitting and learning, and he says, God, I need to speak to you. It was somebody had learned in a, in a, in a, in a garish table or something. Somebody had been a garish before, somebody had been part of his world. So he walks out of his and says, no, I need to go much further. They walked a distance. And then the person turned to her godlin and said, 
Rebbe, I decided I'm married a non-Jewish woman. And if God looked at him and he said, I'll tell you, I haven't learned Evan Ezer recently. I don't, I, I don't know the Prati Aloha exactly. But already I can tell you that it's not a chassidish azach. A chassidish shouldn't be doing that. And the person dropped it. Another person came to him and, 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 and dropped it because he understood this person saw himself, even his mannerism, I need to be out, far out, very far out. But no, you're one of ours, you're one of, you belong here. Someone else came to him and he said, and, and he, met, he met someone in the street who had known before, and this person had a very different surah, and he said, oh, Yankel. He said, that's not me anymore. That's not my identity. So he looked at him and he says, ah, did Hitler teach you that? Is that what Hitler taught you? Are you trying to finish off what he started? If each person, you're talking about nefashis, and each person, he needed to find the nekuda. This person, it's by telling him, you're still a Siddish Abacha, and it's passive for Siddish Abacha, and this person to tell him, do you want to be Hitler's partner in eradicating the Jewish people? And, and the difference between Chaim and Mavis, Ruchnius, for, for each one. Someone once came to him, and he told him, he also, the person who dropped it, he said he can't believe anymore, he's left it all, and he said, um, and he said, if, I, you know, he said it makes, it's, it's a pircha gemura. He said um, that, that it's a pircha gemura, if could kill six million people, it's finished. So what do you, and he asked Avgadol, what do you have to answer? And Avgadol told him, I can't argue, it's impossible to argue with emotional arguments. You can only argue with rational arguments. So he said, that's not a rational argument, a God that can six million people. And said to him, he looked at him very sharply, and he said, did you ever, were you ever misbeining in the death of one person? Did you ever see a person, the life leaving him? Where did it go to? What happened to the person? How could it, how could a person thinking, hoping, living, aspiring, breathing, become a, bus, a, a piece of rotting meat? Did you, did, did you ever think about that? Where's that from? And where did a piece of meat ever become a person? Did you ever ask the mystery of that? Tell me how one person dies, and I'll tell you how six million people die. Tell me how one person lives, and I'll tell you how one person dies. The... So he worked there for five years. He's remained reconstructing whatever was left to reconstruct. And by that time, most people had left. He went out to Paris for three years. We spoke last year about Paris or Muttel. In Paris, there were also many estranged people, people who had left things, people who were... Um, and he came, and, and he did. In those three years, he did. An example of what... What a Polish shtickle with chesed is. To bring out the sharpness and the chachma. There was a year in Paris who was a big Talmud Chacham, one of the Pleitim, big Talmud Chacham, very, very big Talmud Chacham, no means of support, nothing to live on. So, Rav Godlin and a close Chavis decided to find him a job, find him something. So they came. To a, they came to a big shul, their big shul in, in Paris, 
and they asked the shamus if there's any work here or something. They said, yeah, the Gabbai said, we need actually our cleaner just left. We need somebody to clean the base medrash. So they said, you know, we have a great cleaner for you. But besides cleaning, he also gives a share once in a while. He, he knows how to teach also. So I said, why not? That's good. So, you know, so, 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 if, it's, if it's not going to cost us any more money, that's great. They went back to that person, and they told him there's a job waiting as a magachir in the shul. And they, he and Godless Chav used to go there four in the morning, clean the shul, and, and, his, and, his, and, and this yid used to come in as a magachir. He couldn't speak the Gabi. The Gabi spoke only French. He spoke only Yiddish. And they, Bimele, he, he was sure that this person cleans in the morning and, and adds a little share as a bonus, and that's what he paid him for. He and, and, and they were sure of this. And, and he was, so they used to go and do the cleaning, and this person would have. That's Chesed with a Chachma. To know how to do something with, with, with such a that, uh, with, with so much smart. He ended up in Eretz Yisrael, and in Eretz Yisrael he became the Messiah. He became the one that gave over the Torah of Kotsk, the, the uh, Ger Kotsk to the next door. He was Shirim Yeshiva, like we said before, for 32 years he spent teaching, always always um, his tremendously understanding helping people understand themselves demanding he once told somebody, somebody was close to by by the war before the war he told him, you know, he had learned with him and then, this was after the war in in Lodge and the guy left off for America to throw, a girl told him you know, you never know when life, where life takes you. We may never meet again. But my tefillah is that if we meet again, I should be able to give you toichacha and not chizuk. A person who's, who's barely holding on, you say, ah, Baruch Hashem, you put on tefillah, so it's great, you come to davening, fantastic. A person who's in the parasha, you say, why aren't you doing more? He said, my bracha is, my tefillah is, that when we meet, I should be able to be mechiach and, and, and not, and, and not mechazik. Like I said before, he became, he shtaldavek, he brought over that Torah of Kotsk, the Torah that taught a person the strength, the koichas ha-nefesh, ha-diktukas nefesh and was manchalit to hold her, everything that's in get is, is regardless, is, is one. I want to finish with two stories about him that really give out the, the morals of the person from two stadim, both complement each other. Um, he was on the way to Buchenwald, like we spoke before, on the way in, there was somebody there, a, a, a Bacher, or older Bacher, and they knew, everyone knew what Bokhamal meant. And he told Rav Gadol, he said, Rav Gadol, I'm walking off into the Tahoim. Give me something to be mechazik me with. So he took off his shoe, and inside the shoe, he had a small piece of Chayvah Salvavis folded. And he opened it up and read it with him. And he said, Kemoishenem al echad men chasidim, sheikom balayla, 
the Omar. One of the Hasidim, the Chavis of Hasidim means a tzaddik, a tzaddik. Eloikai, Rebbeinu Shalom, Hiraftani, you've starved me. Ve'eram azaftani, and you've left me naked. Uvmachshake alayla shaftani, and you've put me down in the darkest of nights. Ve'uzcha ve'godcha herisani, and you've shown me your strength and power. Im tisrefeni ba'esh, if you'll burn me in fire, lo'oisiv kim avoyscha v'simcha becha. Those are the words that he lived, and those are the words that gave somebody a plank to stand on over that Tehoim. That's one story. The second story is like we said before, he'd lost everything and everybody. The only thing that he had left was his daughter, who was killed. In, in the ghetto. Years later, Abacha was helping him do B'dikas Chomets in his house, or cleaning up the house for Pesach. And the, um, and as, as part, it's, a, it's a tedious job. To, he went through all this for him. The guy was going through all this for him, you know, brushing him out and so on. It's a tedious job. And it's sort of as a schar tircha, Reb Gadol was schmoozing with him, schmoozing, explaining him different sfarim additions. He was a big yad and, and so on, different things. And what he'd say for is the machaber and different things about the sfarim to sort of as a, as a feedback, as a sort of reward of sorts. There's... And then he came to, a, to, a, to an old sitter bound, rebound, and he said, this is an incredible story, he said. Um, after the war in Lodge, they were going through, um, they had they, found piles and piles of sfarim. They all dumped it in the Jewish community house. And he was going through making seder. He tried to make some sort of library and put out this sfarim, this and that. And he said, and lo and behold, he found a sitter with his daughter's name in it. The only zecha that he had, and this is the sitter. The guy opens up the sitter, and the front page is a blank page, a new page, not, not a name. And he asked of God, I don't think he said, he said, yeah, it was it was an old sitter falling apart, and I gave it to the binder to rebind, and he obviously didn't, you know, he put in a new page. Like I said, God, you didn't turn the place upside down, you didn't look through the geniza, the garbage can, that. God told him. And how would that person have felt if he would have realized what happened? Could I do it to him? That's Kutsk. To burn in the fire and to say, I'll be oisvava, and to be sensitive that the other person is going to realize the mistake and to be devastated. So the last shred that I have of some shaykhis to somebody, I'm a vata, because that person should feel That's That was Kutsk. We speak every year, and, and you think about it. You know, it wasn't only big people. There was there was a forest has so many different, so many different types of flora and fauna. It, it's it's it, it, in, in 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 that little dalaramis, so to speak. There were so many worlds. We've spoken every year about something else that presents a different world. There's a whole new world of, 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 of the ability to demand everything of yourself, to, to want nothing for yourself. People would say about it, they never saw him ask for food. He, he never made a thing about food. One of the things that he talks a lot about in his schmuzen 
is not to, a person shouldn't be talking about food. Not it's good, not it's bad, not it's this, not it's that. It, it's, it's something, but always with a smile, always with a joke, always with a glint in his eyes. If you look at the pictures, look through the book, the pictures, there's always this, there's a mischievous glint in his eyes. Here's a person who's a Kaddish Vitar, and there's always that Chacham and the Chain, that don't, don't be excited in your eyes. It, it, you know, it, it's, 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 um, it, a, a, a cute, a sharp fertile, a, a, a nice touch, it might be what's needed here. To, 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 um, to be able to understand that, that's, only when you're holding by that spitz of emis, are you, do, do you have that? And, and when we think back of the Arz el when we think back of all the Arazim, there's so much, so many, the, the, the rainbow of Tyra was so incredibly beautiful and rich. This is one world, and Rabbi Bagmatsky is a world, it, it, I, don't know if, I don't know if it's, it's from Lodz to Kovna is, 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 is further than from here to Chicago, I don't think so. And, and yet the worlds existed. Each world had so much to it. The Churban is not a That The Churban that we had is we lost worlds. And, and this is one glimmer, this is one ember of, of, of that world. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.